0: you're listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, forward-looking conversations for those who believe that donor growth is possible. Every week,
1: we'll explore a thought-provoking topic to help build deeper relationships with more of your donors. We are your
0: hosts, Luis Diaz and Mike Dirksen. Now let's get into it. Lewis, we are back talking about the role of the CEO. Donor growth episode number 10, one of the early ones, we talked about the role of the CEO. And my thesis at that time was the role of the CEO in a nonprofit is to create future value. Now, you've done a lot of thinking since then. We're 57 episodes in. And you came back and you said, hey, Mike, I want to challenge you on that thinking.
1: Well, first off, I have a feeling nobody could understand what create feature value means, Mike. Even if we did that episode, it's very diffuse for me. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Some, my mom used to say, for somebody who's so smart, you can be pretty expellative stupid. So I needed to turn this into something very tangible. And then I've been reading stuff and we've been talking. And I think I hit on an idea. This is one of those episodes for those who are here with us where we're kind of thinking out loud And we're, you know, Mike and I are going to bounce off ideas off each other. So don't expect this to be the episode about, you know, the three steps you need to take to do that, which we sometimes do, right? This is more speculative. And I guess, disclaimer, it's kind of easy to say, well, you know, this is what the CEO should be doing. It's what always everybody says in the organization. It's not my fault. (laughs) It's leadership's fault. So with those two caveats, I think we've hit on, on a good vein here and that, will shed light for many. It certainly did for me. And it's all around coordination.
0: So you're saying the great problem of our time is actually coordination. And so the role of the nonprofit CEO is to be the grand coordinator. So let's start here. Why is the great problem coordination? You're going to have to explain that to me a little bit.
1: Yes. And coordination is understood in a very broad sense. So when we didn't have enough money, when we didn't have enough food, when there weren't enough products on the market or in general in our lives or clothes, that those were the big problems, right? Now in industrialized societies, so you know, Mike and I are speaking from the perspective of US Canada. I know all, all of our listeners aren't there, but very broadly speaking, huge generalization, lots of those problems have been solved. So there's food, there's supermarkets, there's jobs. I know if I say there's money, it's going to sound very biased to a lot, but there is a lot of money in the economy. I'm not saying it's well distributed, right? And There's plenty of people who could be major donors. Let's leave it at that. Okay, so then the next step is that we're really not facing a problem of having these things, which we used to, We've, I guess society has kind of solved that. The next step is that we have a coordination problem. So we have ever larger groups of people who coordinate. We have really large economies and or any nonprofit that's doing something, a nonprofit that's giving shoes to a group that needs them, right? It's guaranteed that there are people out there who are interested in that. I mean, I can promise anything. and you can reach them, but it's a coordination problem. How do you find those people? Some companies are making a huge amount of gobs of money solving that problem, like Facebook. They're saying, okay, little, you know, little nonprofit that's doing this hugely valuable work, we'll find the people for you. Just pay us several thousand dollars and we'll fix that.
0: <laughs> and if we can find them, we're going to give internet to villages in India, beam down internet, give them Facebook and create a whole new audience for you.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So anyhow, I mean, that's like the big thesis yeah. that parts of mm-hmm. the world. Okay have evolved to a place where it's become harder to coordinate everybody. We see that also on social media. So it used to be it was that information was scarce. Now it's not scarce. Again, it's the same thing all over again, right? And now the problem is not having or not having information, is finding the right information. And that means also that people are less coordinated they're forming their bubbles because they're finding their information bubbles how do you coordinate all those people so again this also right. ties into like societal issues it's a maybe too big of an idea but i think it's a it's a good one
0: well, let's go with it. It can't be bigger than to create future value, which you said was too big to be able to understand. So, let's roll with it here. You talked a lot about external sort of forces that need to be coordinated. There's all these people out there that might be interested. There's communities out there. I thought when you said, "Hey, the the role of the nonprofit CEO is to be a grand coordinator." I thought you were going to go internal, like just getting just getting like teams aligned around purpose.
1: Well, Mike you're coming to the Donor Participation Project to talk about processes. I mean, this is a grand overarching theme because we believe that there's a lot of value to unlock in coordinating the everybody, right? And I would venture to say that nonprofits are more complex now because the world is more complex than they mm-hmm. used to be. Just thinking in our little corner of fundraising, right? You could get away with just sending letters, and making calls. Most nonprofits could do that, right? And being maybe active in their community. Now it's digital. It's all types of vendors. Maybe you work with an agency, but you also need to work with an ad agency. And if you're in-housing, it's print. And it's immensely complex. So I think that that's now we're fortunate to have so many options. Now the problem is coordinating among all of them. And the same with the people inside the organization. We're fortunate to have very free flows of information among everybody. It used to be the, you know, remote couldn't exist, right? Now we're all many of us are remote. Now the problem is coordinating among all
0: all these people. Yeah. And and like we talked about in that episode number 10, is that nonprofits are actually a lot more complex than for-profits because they often serve a two-sided or three-sided or four-sided market. There's all these different stakeholders that you're building feedback loops with. So this makes total sense. Coordinating all of that is is a huge challenge. So you've got your thesis then is, hey, when a nonprofit CEO wakes up in the morning, she or he should be thinking about how do I create the environment to align both like my internal audience and my external audience? Is is that it?
1: Totally. I've heard from lots of university presidents and CEOs say, I feel more like a politician than a business leader, right? And I think that's because the problem is a coordination problem. And we're going to cover some areas, some ideas uh, Mm -hmm. that frankly, anybody that listens to the pod today can apply, but needs or will have a greater effect if they come from above, right? You can coordinate amazingly from your corner of the organization, but if everybody else is not playing with you, then it it just kind of dies there.
0: Yeah, I've heard you talk about this this anecdote before which is the CEO of Coca-Cola mm-hmm. telling the CEO of the was it the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra
1: Atlanta has a complex and I forget the name but it has a complex of institutions so there's a museum and the symphony and yeah. At the time, so uh, Coca Cola is based in Atlanta, or and then so the anecdote is, you know, you run a small three. He was telling the CEO of the Atlanta Symphony, you run a small three million dollar organization, but it's a really complex, three, small three million dollar organization, right? He like Coca Cola. What does Coca Cola do? They make sugary water and they put it in cans. I mean, at a like a super simple level, right?
0: Right. Yeah. But yeah, it, interesting for a CEO of a Fortune 10 company. I mean, it's one of the and largest this was companies. was years in the world. years ago. So, it was anecdotal, yeah. but yeah, I think it. Yeah. it, it to it, just it, recognize it, that. It, yeah.
1: Well, they're on the board and they start to see, oh my God, like this is more complicated than my day job. <laughs> and it's this relatively teeny organization.
0: So you've got, you get 10 ways, sorry, eight ways to, eight ways oh. a CEO can can possibly become the grand coordinator. Like eight ways a CEO or eight things a CEO should be thinking about in terms of coordination. Number one is improved communication.
1: Yeah, we're uh, we're communicators, right? You and I, Mike. So we kind of are living a lot of this, but I find lots of organizations are still very much focused on the product. You know, maybe in nonprofits on the program side of things. If you're in a hospital, it's on the research and the service side of things. If it's at a university, you have an academic in the in the CEO role and the president role. And sometimes that leads to not realizing the importance of communication, which is internal and external. So I tell clients a whole lot that we need to actually be thinking about over-communicating and it's probably not going to be enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's that that speaking of politicians, there's that saying which is like by the time you write your stump speech for like the thousandth time or whatever and you're just like sick and tired of it that's mm. the first time the public will actually start to hear it and and Patlen has a thing has this thing about the CEO being just like the chief reminding officer
1: uh-huh. like that's a good one
0: Keep reminding people over and over and, over and over and over and over and over of what you're trying to achieve and it might be you might be sick and tired of hearing it but but you cannot over communicate to your point
1: Yeah. And there's technical pieces to this, like you and I know. So it's not only that kind of stump speech communication, but also, Mm -hmm. but data, you know, making sure that departments are communicating with each other. Yeah. You know, frankly, when there's silos, very often you have to go one level above to the CEO to, you know, break, break the, fix the silos, make sure people are meeting and that they're talking to each other or that they're, they're on Slack, you know, whatever. But that usually has to be a nonprofit-wide decision.
0: Yeah. Number two, common language or translation. So this is making is this just like making sure everyone in the organization uses sort of the same terms, the same language, that we understand what we mean. What what is this?
1: Exactly. I mean, how many times do we have development and marketing talking about the same things with different words? And then uh-huh. even you know, how many times, and then multiply that. Those departments are really fairly aligned, right? Multiply that by every other department. It's a part of creating coordination through culture. So culture is, you know, the words you use are part of the culture. Think of when Google, they think of things, you know, is this googly enough? So just being the person that is aware of this and that defines and embodies that shared vocabulary or that translates among the different departments or that creates roles that translate from one department to the other in technology you have product managers so they're thinking of the what how the client thinks about things and then how engineers think about things and trying to get those two together
0: right yeah. Two to three years ago, I met a dude and his job was being in an internal liaison between departments. That was like his whole job is wow. they had hired him to basically liaison between three or four departments. So he was in meetings of, of each of them and he was just making sure that everyone was sort of aligned. That was his, his whole day job. And I thought that was a good investment. That, that seems like a, like a smart thing to do. Well,
1: it used to be, I think in a in the post-scarcity world that we live in now, that makes more and more sense. I mean, that's kind of the thesis here. It may maybe for somebody who grew up in a different environment, that is absolute nonsense. Right. But what we're saying is that this is actually, this is also why operations roles, we talked a lot about development operations, why administrative roles for me are increasingly important mm-hmm. and valuable and, you know, and frankly, lots of the time, it's
0: underpaid. Yep. Number three, technology integration. So a lot of departments are using different systems. Some are going out there and finding their own. They're just signing up for free trials for stuff, and they start to use a free version of something. And then another department finds out, and or IT finds out, and they're like, hey, actually, Salesforce can also do this. If you let me know, I could build you out something. So everybody's kind of using different systems. This is a massive headache, by the way. We're a small organization and this can be a bit of a headache. But sure. like, like, how do you see this? How do you see the CEO having an influence here?
1: I mean, this just for me has to be a priority. I've seen so many organizations where the CEO's head is just not really there. There are people who identify it. Maybe they start workforces around it that you know never go anywhere. And it's seen too much as a nice to have, People talk about you know, data lakes, and but still,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I haven't seen, frankly, not one organization that has solved it very well. I just think it's not enough of a priority. IT can't own this. You know, individual departments cannot can't own it. And I think we both see how much of a drag that is to organizations. Yeah, but just people are not aware of it, especially I would say at the C-suite level. Right. In okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Number four is real time information sharing. What's real time?
1: Well, I mean, I think this is all related to coordination and to the idea of communicating. This hugely important road of communication. The quicker that communication is, you can't have two departments having an annual meeting. You know, I remember at a symphony I used to work with. There was one meeting with the artistic side per year where we set the calendar for the year. And that was it. So, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, it's better than nothing, but it's kind of the opposite of real time. So just to say that part of the thinking has to be, how do we make these information flows just quicker, the feedback loops that you were talking about quicker, and one that's not going to come out of either department. It, It just isn't. It has to come up from leadership.
0: Right. So it strikes me that number one, like improved communication, this real time information sharing, even common language and translation. Is this fixed just with like more meetings? Please tell me that's not the answer. It might be.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was thinking exactly <laughs> the same thing. Here here we come on the Donor Growth Podcast and our great solution for today is people need to meet more. No, <laughs> I know you hate, but it we love be, being you,
0: Mike. It might be more efficient meetings, though. Maybe that's the answer.
1: More efficient. So I don't have a golden yeah. solution. I, I'm just doing like a great consultant and really identifying the problem really well. I'm telling you very exactly <laughs> what the problem is. But you come up with a solution. If it works well, we'll take credit here in the Donor Growth Podcast. Please let us know. I would say it's not necessarily meetings, right? Some of this is chat platforms like Slack. Some of it is creating roles that have that role of being that function of being a liaison, just like you mentioned, and those roles exist already. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Some of it is mm, maybe just not being underinvested in communications so that you have people that can develop that common language and then implement it across the organization. Yeah. So, I mean, if I were to joke, we're kind of saying more meetings and more, you know, branding police, but Uh, Yeah, not necessarily more meetings, but it's a more systemic approach. And I think it's the CEO that has to be thinking about the system that he's creating, he or she is creating.
0: Yep. Yeah, they're going to build their own little operating system, right? Every CEO organizes this differently. Okay, number five, marketing and feedback channels. This is a good one. Are we now switching to a bit of an external audience in terms of feedback channels?
1: Yeah, for this one, for sure. I think several people have noticed In our little world of, you know, the LinkedIn people who are talking about philanthropy, that lots of the same problems are happening internally and externally. And they're kind of linked, you know, why are we not being able to retain fundraisers? That seems related intuitively to why can't we retain donors? Mm -hmm. So, yes, they're linked, but this one is specifically about, you know, communicating with external stakeholders.
0: Okay. So the coordination problem here is that we have all these people who care about what we do and they might be more than willing to share their opinions, their passions, their whatever, their vision for their own life, whatever it is, but we're not coordinating a way to actually their gifts. we're not coordinating well enough to actually capture some of that, to actually have those conversations, to do something meaningful with it. And am, am, am I, am, am I getting closer to what you mean here?
1: yeah exactly. I mean, it's the concept itself is is pretty simple, right? Again, is this more work? Well, depends on what you define as being work, right? But it's more conversations for sure. and that can happen. And yeah, it's about just being more nimble. I mean, we both believe strongly, I think, that the benefits far outweigh the costs. When you're having conversations, you're communicating with your external audiences in lots of different ways, from one-on-one to super at scale like a survey, you know. But, yeah, it's a focus area. I mean, I truly think that the organization as a whole has to be thinking, okay, we're in conversation with the public and we're putting things out, we're listening, and we're making changes in response to that. So that's why I put it in here as, as kind of the grand role, the grand coordinator. Role. Marketing is kind of what we talked about at the beginning. Like I was joking about Facebook, but it's kind of that problem. You have to have ways to find those people and then to stay top of mind with them. You talk about mind share being greater than wallet share a whole lot, which I love. And that's important. So I would say these aren't, none of this is new, none of this never existed. The thesis today is that the relative importance of these things is rebalancing. I think fundraisers, because our role was external, because our role was kind of a communicator and a listener role, see this more clearly in lots of organizations. But I don't see those changes happening
0: wholesale. Yep, got it. All right. Number six is professional coordinators. You're going to have to explain this to me. So this is like eight ways the CEO can be a coordinator. And one of the ways is to be a coordinator.
1: (laughs) Ah, No, it's just me making poor notes. It's about being aware that in your volunteers, Mm -hmm. there are some professions that by nature are about coordinating and that If that's going to be a focus of your work and a focus of the organization, you should try specifically to find these types of people. But there are other professions that are more individualistic or that are more transactional just by the the nature of the profession. And people tend to view the world through that lens a whole lot. You know, I'm an accountant and, you know, I'm a lawyer and my job is to see all the risks, everything that could go bad know, yep. minimize those risks and they, you know, they, that tends to come into their volunteer work. So there are some professions that I've found like investment bankers, like entrepreneurs, you know, people who have managed large organizations like that Coca-Cola CEO that just, in, uh, you know, that get it. Right. I think it's also related to what you just said earlier about creating role coordinator roles inside in a more purposeful way. And again, I don't think there's a template. like I don't think there's a, a, a blueprint here of okay, you need five per department, but it's being aware of it and trying to fix it.
0: Yeah, you know what I would maybe add here about having an internal sort of coordinator or liaison, I would almost be tempted to think, you know what would be even better is you hire a facilitator full-time on staff and uh, their conflict job, management. Their job is to facilitate meetings facilitate, mm-hmm. you know, they they are more of, rather than coordinating between apartments, they are more facilitating the coordination.
1: I think that would be huge. In fact, I had a follow-up to these notes that I was taking and conflict management. You know, you're going to, if you have more complexity, you're going to have more, compl- more, more conflict. Yeah. And what you're saying is, well, let's just acknowledge that and fix it, not ignore it. No, I mean...
0: Yeah, and conflict. Isn't, conflict isn't bad, right? It's a byproduct of as in conflict yeah. unmanaged is very bad. But, but I, conflict will crop up for sure. It just will.
1: And I feel like there used there was a world where leadership could ignore conflict more. Mm. And people wouldn't, you know, they, they wouldn't just leave the organization like this happening right now. People are, are just leaving. You're not giving me remote, I'm goodbye. And you could just say, oh, you know, and you could just, okay, well, you know that they're grumbling over there, but it's not a big thing. It's not going to spread. Now it will spread and it will turn into a big thing, you know. So I yeah, yeah, I I think that's just part for the course.
0: Right. All right. Number seven is digital platforms. So tell me more.
1: Yeah, maybe this is a little bit redundant. We've talked about tech. I think we've, we've covered all of these, both okay. on the in- internally and externally, right? So internally, making sure that everybody's on the same platforms and is using them. Been in so many organizations that are very slow to catch on, and there are some teams that are using their own, their, you yeah. know, they, free Slack account, and the others are in Google Chat, and <laughs> that's not helpful.
0: And then, and then an agency like Build good comes along and you start working with them and Build Good tells you, we only work on Google. So we're going to really? have a, a shared Google folder and this and that. And then they go, well, we're on Teams, but okay. So then they create Google accounts to work with us. And then somebody else comes along and I say, we only work on Box. And then um, now, now you once you start working with external vendors, it's like, which organization <laughs> as a As a policy of which software to use and which one don't, and which one we don't, and then who sort of wins out in that, right? So yeah. that in and of itself is a coordination challenge. Exactly.
1: Do you know, we want to know how many chat apps I have on my phone that I'm using with clients right now. I'm on Teams. I'm on Discord. I'm on Slack. We have a donor participation project chat platform. I'm mi- and I'm missing at least one or two. So I I just said four.
0: No wonder. And- no wonder you're sending me pictures from a enchanted forest somewhere. You, you were out for a walk in the forest yesterday, finding Zen, and I get a WhatsApp from you saying, this is a very peaceful walk, and next time you're in town, we're going to take it together.
1: Yeah, Mike. Well, okay, but... Is
0: everything okay?
1: <laughs> from the... <laughs> I was communicating my state of mind, (laughs) but also that's part of solving the coordination problem, which is staying in touch with the people that you care to stay in touch with. Don't just show up when you need something, you know, it's, and that can look not like a meeting. It can look like a WhatsApp chat. So it's kind of the thesis of today. You know, I try to live, I try to live these things. So people don't think I'm a complete hypocrite.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to take advantage of your of your vulnerability, chat there yesterday. I, it was very heartwarming. I appreciate it.
1: I, 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 yeah. I mean, I exposed my heart to you, and you just stabbed it. Just stabbed it. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, what doesn't kill you makes you stranger.
0: What you don't know is that I was getting that text. the The phone was buzzing off. My wife and I were having a meeting. And she's like, is that your boyfriend again? And I, I, need and to I was like, ah, I know she's talking about Luis. Do I tell her? Do I even show her this picture now? It would just make it worse.
1: you know. Well, okay. So now we've gone into the phase where we need the conflict resolution expert.
0: Right. Yeah. And that
1: would, you know, we, we need a, a good chat between the three of us. <laughs> <obviously>. <laughs> There's lots
0: of... All right. Yeah, we're Number we're not productive. The the number eight, the last way that that the role of a nonprofit CEO could be that of the grand coordinator is to standardize behavior and roles.
1: What does marketing do? What does development do? What is what are the responsibilities? How do they communicate among each other? I kind of joke that this is kind of like the McDonaldization of the nonprofit. And don't worry, I'm not saying we all turn into machines and we're still the soul of the work that we do. But is that having clear structure in a world that's much more complicated and where it's just harder to coordinate, right? Having clear roles and structures and knowing that, you know, expectations for the way you you have to complete certain tasks and then pass them along to the next department That helps the organization relatively to a different type of world. You know, it now is more helpful, and people appreciate it. I mean, I've seen this throughout my my whole career, where people were actually just hungry for this. It's like we're flying by the seats of our pants all the time. I can't take Mm -hmm. the stress. Yeah, and that's a little bit of the role of the CEO, right? You just clarify what is expected of everybody, and maybe leave those spaces for creativity, but not let everything be kind of freewheeling
0: chaos right yeah in the the fear might be if i standardize this too much i'm stealing from the creativity and autonomy or whatever of people but it's actually the opposite like the the more clearly you define it and you set the expectations okay now now we've got a box in which i can be creative and we talked about creativity constraints forcing creativity but now I've got a clear expectation, at least. I know how to win. I know what winning looks like in this role. This is what what's expected of the role. Now I can find creative ways to get there.
1: Yeah, completely. Just so many times where actually it's, like you said, the opposite. Where having everything be not so defined, meant, meant or means that yeah. if you come up with an idea to do something, the entire organization can squash it. And then, you know, make you feel bad about it, which means that you're, you know, the next time you have an idea, you're going to keep it to yourself. And that's what so often happens. Whereas if like this is your playpen and your sandbox and you know that this is where you can
0: achieve success. like Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right. So your hypothesis is that the great problem of our time is coordination. And so the role of the nonprofit CEO is to create an environment that where things are more coordinated both with external audiences and with internal audiences by number one, improving communication. Number two, creating shared language, common language and and translating language between departments. Number three is integrating technology and having everybody on the same page in terms of how tech is used in our shop. Number four is real-time information sharing. So making sure that nobody is kept in the dark about things. And it's very much like responsive in the moment, updating people as we go along. Number five is in our marketing, creating a lot of feedback channels to make sure we're coordinating all the information out there from external groups and getting it into our organization. Number six is actually like looking for professional coordinators that might already exist within our volunteer base and getting them on board. Number seven is being very careful and thoughtful but which digital platforms to use and leveraging those to, to their max capacity. Oh boy, that was jargony. Number eight is standardizing <laughs> roles start. and roles and behaviors. I just said leveraging to their max capacity. Who am I? You
1: said start selling technology, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be great at it. All that BS. As you said it, I was trying to imagine how people will hear it. If you're a CEO, it might sound deflating. And, you know, like, where is the vision? Where is the, where are we going
0: that was my pushback to you, and and I want to get there, but keep keep going.
1: Yeah, and it's a little bit of the conversation of what's more important, strategy or execution, or systems or goals over systems, right? It, I think it's all it's all kind of related. Where it, this is not, I mean, what, we're, what I'm proposing here today is that this is not 100 of the job, but that it's a more important job, and that in the past you might have delegated this to maybe the media the level you know the immediate level of the C-suite and that this has risen in importance up to the CEO. So I you know I think coordination is something that CEOs should think of. And I also think that if you have a well-functioning organization that's that's coordinating well and it's aligned and all of these things and that's listening, a lot of the strategy problems are going to solve themselves. Like you're going to be listening from people. So next time you or somebody in the organization has an idea, you're going to get better feedback and you're going to be able to execute it at a quicker pace. So, yeah, I know it can feel a little bit non ceo e, but I, I I just think that's a little bit of where the world is going. Opinion, you know, 100% on opinion.
0: So the audience likes it when we disagree. I don't know that at all. I just made that up. We never disagree. So maybe this is maybe this is the first. We'll see if the audience likes it. Here's my pushback to you. All right. It's a it's very gentle. To me, a lot of these sound like the role of the COO, not the CEO. Where the CEO is, I'm not ready to to give up future value, but we can reframe that. Where the CEO cares more about, worries more about, wakes up in the morning and thinks more about the vision, where are we going, and sort of external, bringing the external world into the internal. And the COO worries about the internal shop being really well coordinated and integrating the vision of the CEO into the organization.
1: Okay, so my cop out is okay, but maybe that means that more CEOs are thinking about creating a COO role, which would be the professional coordinator role that we thought of, that we spoke about. Right? I have a philosophical quibble with you, which is that you know, if you see organisms as they evolve, they don't have a vision; they're just trying to coordinate and be receptive to input in the environment and essentially stay alive. I don't know if that's a good metaphor for nonprofits, but I'm always, I always have like questions in the back of my mind about those big visions, and you know it's very hard to predict the future, even for experts. So, yeah, I'm always a little bit skeptical about that. So, yeah, Mike, let's
0: agree to disagree. You, you, you just dove off a platform and invented water on the way down. I love it you're like, well, there was this thing about there being a professional coordinator. So that was a great, that was a great save. Maybe we should do a whole episode on vision because I think you and I maybe disagree on vision as in, or or actually maybe you and I don't disagree on it. But what you say was like a big vision that never comes true is not necessarily what I mean when we're talking about vision. So how about we save this for part two? And we would love to hear from people who are listening to this.
1: Yeah, especially Mm -hmm. after these episodes where we ramble. Yeah. Not only love it, but we kind of need you.
0: We're running out of content to talk about. We're making up fake fights while texting each other uh, pictures of walks in the woods. Do you agree? Is the role of the nonprofit CEO, the grand coordinator? Love to hear from you. You can find Louis Diaz on LinkedIn. You can find me, Mike Dirksen, on LinkedIn. Thank you as always for listening. And if you would like to come on this show and have a bit of a live consulting episode, we've done two of these now. We'd love to have you on. If you're if you're brave enough, please let us know and we'll we'll have a good time talking fundraising with you.
1: Ah, that would be great. Thanks Mike. Thank you for listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, brought to you by the
0: Donor Participation Project and buildgood.com. If you found today's episode helpful, please help us by sharing it with a friend, posting about it on LinkedIn, or giving it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, remember that donor growth is possible.